Hello, welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. I had the fortunate opportunity to sit down with Mike Jakaitis from WTOP. Sometimes in life you need a do-over, and this is the case with my interview with Mike. When we met earlier, almost a year ago to the day, the audio from our first interview was not that great. Mike graciously agreed to sit down and have another conversation with me, and I'm so excited for you to hear about Mike's journey in radio. Those who are familiar with WTOP will recognize the name Mike Chikaitis. As we often hear, it's Mike Chikaitis at the editor's desk. Mike is one of the nicest and most sincere people I know. He talks openly about the hard work and dedication it takes to make it in radio, and also shares a personal story about facing colon cancer head-on and provides good counsel on what we should all do to take care of our health. Please enjoy this discussion with Mike. This has worked pretty well. Um, I've had now two or three, if not more now, some Skype interviews. So um, uh-huh. the sound's pretty good. In fact, I just had someone tell me, they're like, who produces your podcast? <laughs> like, yeah, so we've come a long way. I so appreciate you doing this uh, for, you know, second time here, Electric Bulu. <laughs> Um, really... Only a few of us will get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, no, yeah. but I really appreciate it. And um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as we've talked about before, like you having, um, you have such an interesting career, but you're also such a phenomenal person that I thought it would be great for us to talk. And we'll um, do you right this time and making sure your audio sounds <laughs> great. And um, I just really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to chat with you again. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, in terms of the conversation, um, you know, it'll flow similarly, but I am, I think maybe the better place to start is just what you're currently mm-hmm. doing now, like what your current role is. Tell us maybe a little right. bit about okay. that. And maybe like a day in sure. the life and you were just talking about how crazy things are. So I'm sure people would be fascinated yeah. to hear what's what's the behind the scenes look like right now with COVID at um, WTOP. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your current role right now. Sure. Okay, yeah. Um, right now, I am the senior broadcast producer, editor at uh, WTOP. I just received this promotion back in January. And essentially what I, what I am is I'm responsible for overseeing all of the uh, editors and assistant editors at TOP. So I can't believe it. I'm the senior staffer now, (laughs) considering, you know, I never thought I'd be at this position when I started in November of 97. And because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I tell every young staffer that comes in that's struggling, I tell them, hey, when I started, I sucked really bad. (laughs) And I almost got fired. Yeah, I almost got fired. I really did. Really? I almost got fired. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I got some good advice from some of my colleagues. Uh, As a matter of fact, Bruce Allen. You know, one of our um, our morning drive anchor, mm-hmm. one of our morning drive anchors, and he told me, you know, if you uh, make a mistake, forget about it. 
he didn't say forget about it, but he said something else. <laughs> and that kind of, yeah. And he just said, look, you know, just don't, don't do it again. Learn from it. And right. then, because uh, I was really nervous about making mistakes. And guess what happened? You make mistakes. Right. So after that, I just said, okay, screw it. I'm just going to just, you know, do, do the best I can and have fun. Yeah. And then that's when I started excelling. So yeah. anyway, going back, I'm responsible for, like I said, overseeing all the editors. Give them some advice. Um, you know, when, um, you know, when situations uh, come up or if they have any kind of, uh, you know, issues that they want to bring up, maybe the managers or whatever. And also, you know, I'll say things too and I'll talk to them about certain things. And, you know, we should probably go in this direction. Um, you know, just, you know, just, just you know, be a sounding board as, for someone. Because I remember what it was like when I started. Yeah. As the editor, are you responsible for selecting what goes on the air is that the like what is the primary yep. responsibility of the editor sure yeah okay um yeah so right now i'm the uh like i said i'm the senior broadcast editor but i'm also the pm drive editor and pm drive is um my hours are from 2 p.m to 7 p.m that's my uh show times okay and so essentially what i do is the stories that you hear on the air the headline uh the story selection the order that they go in i put all that together uh, I mean, all of us, all the editors put that together. So we pick the stories. All right, we want to say we want to leave with this coming out at uh, at a CBS News at 03. We want to, we want to leave with this local story. And, and, and that's what I would do. Now, that being said, uh, you know, if there's something, I always talk to my anchors, you know, just, you know, bounce ideas off of them because it's not, I look at it as a, uh, a weaving, not a meeting. Yeah. Because everyone has, everyone has a little slice of the pie here, as they say, because, yes, I'm responsible for all of this, but. I love input, just getting other ideas. It could be anyone. It could be, you know, a younger staffer or senior member, news director, anyone. If if it if it can make the product better, I'm all for it. And then in terms of just because I think this is helpful as people think about uh, different roles in radio, and particularly when you think about news radio, in terms of writing, like who's writing? Is that someone else's job? Is writing the copy and writing what's being said? Sure. So you're. Are you looking at all of that before it goes on, or you're just saying this is mm -hmm. the order, this is the stories, and then just to maybe give us a little insight into oh, the process, like how? Oh it... yeah, yeah. We well, we have a writer, um, but right, you know, right now with the um, pandemic, a lot of people were working remotely. Yep. So the writers working remotely, and you know, when, when you have the person right there, you just like I say, hey, uh, for example, Jack Porter is one of our PM drive writers. I'll say, hey, Jack, you know. Uh, here, get the story in the next section at, at 10 after. And, you know, he'll do it. I mean, we can do that to an extent remotely, but then by the time, sometimes you have a delay on the phone system or whatever, sometimes it's easier for me just to write it up myself. Yeah. You know, um, and especially when you have a lot of brand new angles as far as the pandemic. You know, you want to get the latest information on, also the most accurate information on. So I'm always, yeah, I'm always double checking, backstopping uh, the writing as well because. For example, like in our two o'clock hour, mm -hmm. Sean Anderson, who comes on at two, will start writing his hour around one o'clock, and then whatever's not done, or if, or if we have a new story, our writer will take care of that, or I'll take care of it, mm -hmm. or my assistant editor. You know, I'll make it my assistant editor's story. Hey, you know, there's this. Uh, can you check on this fire shooting uh, somewhere in uh, Maryland or D.C. and get the details, and they'll tell me about it. I'm like, all right, write me up a reader. Mm -hmm. So they'll send it to me. I'll check it. Okay, because Ultimately, whatever goes on the air it comes back on me. So I make sure I try to check everything. And it's my job. It's part of the gig. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, we're the editors. Yeah. That's our responsibility. 
and, so, and, yeah, um, I mean, because there's a lot of checks and balances. I mean, we have people, you know, just say, um, yeah, have you seen this story or have you seen that story or have we done this already? So there's a lot of people in there to help out. Yeah. It sounds, um, which you were alluding to earlier, it, cer it certainly sounds like it's very much a collaboration and that there's a lot of people very that... Very much so, yeah, very have, much so. Like a team, right, that but, you're working oh, together. Oh, yeah, but ultimately, you know, I could have the final say. Mm -hmm. And I've been, I've been around long enough where our afternoon drive anchors, Sean and Hillary, they trust me. And, and if I think we should do this, they'll uh, they'll back me on it. Right. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and then, like, if something comes up on the screen... You know, I told them if it's, you know, there's like a, you know, breaking story, you know, go ahead. I mean, we have enough trust where I'm like, go ahead. If you see it, just go ahead and, and do a couple lines on it. You and, know, that's fine. And how long have you been at WTOP? <laughs> uh, November 1997. Wow, well, that's, that's a good. <laughs> yeah, if you would ask me that back then, I said, no way. Maybe like <laughs> three or four years, see what happens. But uh -huh. the, the great thing, yeah, it's funny how all this happens. Because the great thing about TOP is that there's a lot of room they let you grow, and they did a lot of things for me along the way. You know, they made me an assistant editor, then a weekend editor, then nighttime editor, and AM drive editor. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity that mm -hmm. they gave me, and and I just took it. I think that's awesome. Can we um, back up a little bit and talk about how you got there? So I'm curious in school um, or in terms of your own interests, uh, was this something that you knew you always wanted to do or, or how did you cultivate um, or work towards having a career in broadcasting? Well, yeah, uh, when I was a little kid, you know, I always wanted to do something like this. I wanted to... Uh, you know, talking to a tape recorder, you know, fun things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I remember I remember when I did a book report, and my teacher allowed me to – I gave her an idea. How about I do this out of the box? Instead of a uh, doing a straight-up book report – well, I didn't feel like writing it, one. But, two, I said, how about, like, if I pretend that I interview the subject? And, you know, me, you know I mean, I keep knowing me for a long time. I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. Yes. So I read a uh, biography on, uh, on Pete Rose. So I had my brother play Pete Rose. And I, you know, give him the answers, but then I would interview him, and about his about his um, autobiography, mm -hmm. and I got an A on it. So awesome. I think this was uh, like that's just yeah, like that's just sixth grade. Yeah, and uh, it's something I wanted to do. And then in um, high school, I did the uh, did the um, high school radio show, which is just essentially just being on the intercom where they make announcements, playing some music. Did that once a week. Uh, and then got into college and worked at the campus radio station, and that was a lot of fun doing sports reports. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, did some TV production. Uh, did a lot of internships, which uh, which actually helped me get to my start in radio. Mm -hmm. Summer nineteen, yeah, summer nineteen ninety one. I worked at a WMAL radio, working uh, with. Uh, Ken Beatrice, you know, you're next here on WMAL. <laughs> so I did that for summer, yeah. working uh, working minimum wage, and you know, I got paid to do it and got experience. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, summer of 92, I worked at Fox 5 with Steve Buckhantz and Gus Johnson, and that was so much fun. The producers there, they, they made it fun. I got to write scripts, cut um, sports highlights. I mean, that's probably the best internship I had. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, they were so much fun. And then... Um, See, so did all that experience, graduated from college, and I get into corporate video. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it was, it was in communications. I needed a job. Yep. So I got hit down with my mom's company, which was with Ivan Government Services. And uh, essentially what I did was I would log training videotapes. Most boring <laughs> job in the world. <laughs> I mean, like, people there were nice, dude. You know, it's just started with the paycheck and everything. And then uh, did that for six months, and then our contract ran out, so I got let go. Mm. Which turned out to be the best thing that's happened to me because I really wasn't—I really wasn't happy. Right. So, so a buddy of mine, we decided you know, I'm not working, so we decided to go see uh, Ken Beardress, who was doing a remote at uh, at the old Petty Bones restaurant off uh, Route 50 at Falls Church. So he took to remember me. I'm like, yeah, probably not. He probably has a lot of people like me. So since I walk in, he's like, hey, Mike, how's it going? And I'm like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Graduate college, need a job. It's like, matter of fact, uh, yes, I do. Well, you go board off for me, uh, you know, screening calls for minimum wage. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I got the name of the news director at MAL, and, uh, you know, I gave my resume and then was hired, mm-hmm. making uh, a whopping five twenty-five an hour. <laughs> you know what yeah, I, I... Yeah, that, that, that was, uh, that was uh, fall of 1993. So, yeah, yeah college degree making five twenty-five an hour. In the D.C. area. Yeah. Yeah, that was a rough time oh, for oh. all of us, you know, coming out of school. Oh, yeah. And there was oh, yeah. a lot I mean, of I jobs. Would, I would substitute teach mm-hmm. to make ends meet. I would I would substitute teach in the morning, and then by 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, get done with that, then um, go to drive or take the metric to uh, D.C., and then work till, like, uh, 11 or 12 o'clock until midnight. Wow. And do that, like, yeah, and the cycle would uh, repeat, but... You know, I always believe in working hard. If you work hard, because nothing, like nothing's gonna, you know, come easy for you. I mean, really, you gotta work for it. If, especially in this business, it's it's so competitive. And what you get get what you get out of it, it's what you put into it. So, I mean, I'm not, I was never afraid of working hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's open. Uh, I know it pay off. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some dark times, and it can. You're doing this forever. I did this making minimum wage for two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and then when I thought about maybe, hey, this ask the uh, program director for a raise. Well, one of my uh, one of the, uh, my fellow call screeners, board ops, who has been working there forever, did a really good job. Asked for a raise, so he tells me a story that uh, he went in asked for the raise, and the program director made him feel real bad about it. But he said, "Tell you what, oh, I will give you that raise." So he went from five twenty-five an hour. To five fifty an hour, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a whopping twenty five cents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I, I tell people these stories. So it's, no way. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Made five twenty five an hour. Then two years later, um, I said, well, actually, let me back up a little bit. While I was working with uh, Ken Beatrice at night, I was also working on the afternoon show, the Trumbull and Core show, and. Uh, you know, I'll give them ideas. You know, they want to, you know, me to, you know, help out with some, some young twenty-something, you know, <laughs> been on it. Yep. So I gave them, some, yeah. So I gave them some ideas and like what I was doing. And then two years later, I was hired as their uh, full-time producer at a whopping salary of eighteen-five. Nineteen ninety-five. Hey man. Eighteen-five. Uh, yeah. So make it eighteen-five. I thought I was rich. Yeah. <laughs> you know, considering you go for five twenty five an hour. So uh Let me ask you something I, yeah. about that time then in terms of yeah. because it's what I like 
at least in terms of how you've described this, like this was really in some shape or form was a real interest for you. And so uh -huh. you, you know, found opportunities and you were willing to, you know, sacrifice certain things so that you could uh -huh. be exposed and be working in that environment. And also I think uh -huh. to your point around it being competitive, like having a job in that space in and of itself is a great accomplishment. And then it's like, once you get in, uh -huh. then you're figuring out how to build on that and how do you get that other opportunities, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's getting your foot in the door and then taking advantage of every opportunity that you're that you're giving. I mean, and that's why I tell a lot of younger staffers. Yeah. Because I, mean, I tell them at DOD, there's plenty of opportunity, you know, here at the station, but you just need to go out and get it. Mm -hmm. Take it, you know, get some opportunities. Don't wait for something. You know, you just say, hey, uh, hey, Jake, you know, which is, um, which is my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my nickname. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. So I've been called Jake, gosh, since uh, high school. So it's funny because people started calling me Jake at DOD as well. Because they had a lot of mics there, and they said, "Are you okay with that?" I'm like, to be honest, all my friends call me Jake. <laughs> to be honest, and, and, I have um, a great story about that. When when um, so we know each other through Paul, obviously, my husband. Uh -huh, you guys were uh -huh. best friends growing up, and uh, uh -huh. and uh, we were getting married, and we we're looking at the wedding list. And I was like, who's Mike Jakaitis? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I was like, who is that? He's like, how do you not know who that is? And he's like, it's Jake. I was like, forever, I thought you were Jake and that your last name was something else. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. This is the first time I'm hearing this story. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's it's awesome. A, I know. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah. So they're like, so they're like you know, uh, so I, I just tell them yeah. that. You know, if you if there's a story that you want to do or it, anything that you want, you know, just you know, take the opportunity to do it. You know, because you know, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna come easy in this world. Right. You got you have to go out and get it yourself. You know, get your own thing, make your own breaks. Yeah, I think too. One thing you've talked about, which um, I really appreciate, and I think it's so important for others to hear about, is the idea that you said. You, you find ways to make yourself a value. So you said you were always looking for uh -huh. opportunities and never really said no, you know, when, when people were er, earlier right. in your career, right? You I think you had mentioned like you, you know, when you talk about logging those videos or other jobs that aren't super sexy, uh -huh. right? Like if you're in broadcasting uh -huh. or television and you think, ooh, it's all going to be glamour and sexy, right? No, there's yeah. there's no. a road that not, you, you not go at through. First. Not at first. Yeah. Mm -mm. So, yeah, it's, I mean, look, you know, when you, even at TOP, you start off, you know, you have to, you do a lot of grunt work, you know, and being, being an assistant editor is one of the hardest jobs, but it's, I think, one of the most important jobs because mm. my assistant is my right arm. They're responsible for making sure, helping me get all the uh, reporter stories into the lineup, making sure that everything in the lineup is okay, making sure, because, you know, everything Everything that we do now is, you know, my, my line's on the computer, and if I just have a slip of the mouse and have two stories that, that aren't grouped together, I need, I need them to say, hey, Jake, uh, take, are you sure you want the stories that way? Mm -hmm. I'll look at her, oh, no, you're right, you know, because, you know, when you're trying to get things on and you're working fast, you know, a, a little simple mistake of the mouse, you know, could screw up the lineup. Now, that being said, I mean, we're all, you know, being in the business, we're a little more critical, and sometimes listeners won't even realize these two stories weren't 
related because you can't be perfect, but we, we strive to be perfect. Right. But but little stuff like that that you know I tell them that you know, a good AE goes unnoticed because there's no mistakes. Right. Right. Uh, you yeah. know so. And, yeah, um, but it's just uh, was, it's, it's opportunity. Was your degree? You went to JMU, and was your degree mm-hmm. in communications and broadcast? Like, what was your degree in? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, my degree was in uh, communications, or technically, technically, it was telecommunications. Okay. Which is which? Yeah, which fell under you know uh, broadcasting, TV. And when you were. A lot of, when we in this podcast, I as you know, I, I do like to talk a little bit about that kind of middle school and high school mm-hmm. time, and then mm-hmm. um, I'm interested for you. Like, um, was it difficult to get into JMU? Is that did you know you wanted to go there? Like, how how did you did you do well in high school academically? Tell me a little bit about that time. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, or for information on our upcoming workshops, visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com for more information. Sure. Um, Let's see. Well, uh, where do you want to start? High school, middle school, or... Or just pick it up. I mean, how? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you heard about our from your husband, <laughs> our Walt Whitman, uh, Walt Whitman stories. Actually, you know, I didn't really meet meet Paul till uh, till high school. Till high school. But I mean, here, 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 I'll give you the cliff notes. Middle school, middle school was okay. I mean, I kind of got picked on a little bit because I was a little little chubby, and um, me being uh, mixed race, my mom's Filipino, my dad lives in Wayne, so I got picked on a little bit. But um, I mean, nothing. It wasn't terrible where I was traumatized or anything like that. But I kept getting on and teased. But uh, once I got to high school, I started lifting weights and played football. So that kind of turned the tide a little bit in mm-hmm. my favor. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah. But you know, high school, high school was good, and that's got to meet a lot of good lifelong friends, like your husband, for example. You know, one of my considered one of my best friends. Yeah. You know. So uh, yeah. So nothing. I mean, yeah, just. Yeah, just average students had like a GPA of like three one, three two, and then college. Believe it or not, yes, I did graduate from James Madison, but I my first year I went to Penn State. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I thought you knew that for some reason. You know, now that you're saying it, maybe it. I it's it's like it doesn't feel like completely new information, <laughs> but I think I forgot yeah, that maybe. Yeah, yeah but, but see, I didn't. I did not get onto the main campus. I. I got stuck on um, Penn State Beaver campus, and me, you know, did not research a lot of it. Me just being a, mm-hmm. a sports jock, you know, just saying, oh, you pick like you, know, you can have the main campus, and then pick uh, a couple backup satellite campuses. So I pick, oh, okay, uh, Beaver campus because the stadium, the football stadium, is called Beaver Stadium. Right, it has to be close. I'm not thinking it's going to be Beaver Falls, three and a half hours away from the main campus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, uh, so, so that's the one I got into, and I was, it was early acceptance, so I knew uh, November of my senior year where I was going to school, and uh, yeah, I got accepted and went there. And the other schools, I, I, see, I applied to UVA, JMU, and Mary Washington, and uh, all got turned down. Mm-hmm. So, so I went to Penn State for a year, and it was... Um, 
it was almost like going to community college with a dorm because mm-hmm. it, was, it was a suitcase school. Everyone went home on weekends, so it's almost it was almost like thirteenth grade. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. 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 So uh, you know, I tried to transfer it to main campus by my sophomore year. I got denied. So uh, I decided to uh, apply to transfer to Madison and I uh, got in and went there. And plus, the uh, out of state tuition wasn't um, doing my family any favors either. So right. uh, going to school in state helped out a lot. So uh, yeah, and then I uh, had a good experience at JMU. I uh, got involved with. Uh, with, uh, like I said, a lot of organizations, fraternities, uh, like I said, radio, TV, and um, actually I got to know uh, Jim Acosta, who is now the uh, White House correspondent with CNN. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, because yeah, we had a lot of classes together, and we had um, some mutual friends, and uh, I got to know him pretty well. And, uh, yeah, I'll still text him to this day, like it's something what happened at the White House. And, yeah. Uh, uh, a little inside story, uh, he used to have a show at JMU, uh, like a DJ show, and his uh, his name was Jim Chainsaw. That, that, that's how he was. <laughs> so, so with all the stuff that's going on in the White House, you know, if we get to any kind of confrontation with uh, Trump or the or uh, some or someone from the administration, I'll send him a text. Hey, tell him never mess with Jim Chainsaw. <laughs> so it sounds. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it sounds like too for you. I mean, you've alluded to it a little bit, but certainly that power of network. Um, mm-hmm. you had mentioned, you know, when you had lost the other job, you went to see, um, your friend from Fox and that turned into an opportunity. And, and I talk a lot on here just about, well, okay. well, 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 yeah, yeah, it was Ken, Ken Beatrice, who, yeah. uh, yeah, who I worked with, who I worked for for the summer in 1991. Yeah. And he, he remembered me and, and, yeah. uh, yeah, just, yeah, I just imagine if I told my friend who, um, said, no, I was just at home. I don't want to go, you know. Go see Ken, or you know, he's not even gonna. He's not gonna remember me. But yeah, a lot of it is just, you know, just luck too. You know, yeah, yeah you work hard, but some, some of it's just dumb luck. Yeah, yeah. dumb luck. Yeah. Well, I think that, but I think you've taught. I mean, the way that you, it's interesting. Like, I feel like you are someone who, I think that internship and how you worked in that internship and the fact that you said you were kind of willing to do anything, that guy remembered it. And then, you know, you get the opportunity because of how you showed up at that time. So I think, um, and, and you talked about hard work. I, I do think um, I'm curious about that from, you know, where do you think that stems from or, or that motivation to work hard? Where do you think that comes from? Oh, definitely my parents. Yeah. I mean, just to see, just to see what they did to put uh, me and my brother through college, and what they did for us um, as kids growing up. I mean, my my dad was in the military, and he uh, was an enlisted person in the military, and my mom um, started off as a uh, minimum wage Xerox uh, woman at the company, but then she worked hard, worked her way up, and uh, just seeing, just seeing, just seeing what my parents did. I mean, what they did for us, and you know, when it came to sports, we always had a glove, a bat, and ball. What they sacrificed for us, so uh, for us um, to realize our dreams, and I'm not gonna let them down. There's no way in hell it's gonna let them down because after all, what they sacrificed for me and you know, you know, as a kid, you always get kind of embarrassed when your parents would brag about you. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, as you get older, you realize how proud they were, mm-hmm. you know, or, or how proud they are of you. And, um, yeah, it just, because they, they're seeing, you know, they're, they're seeing me excel. And the, the biggest thing, my parents, my goodness, you know, a lot of parents, you know, they, they, they spend all this money on tuition to send their kids to school. And I'm making five twenty-five an hour, two years out of college. Right. They're like, kid, you know, think of something else, do something else. And even we have like some other, um, family members are saying, you know, why is he doing this? Why are you letting him do this? You know, well, my, my parents would say, look, he knows what he's doing. It's what he wants to do. He has a plan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they stuck by me 100%. They're always in my corner, even to this day, you know, as, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I just can't thank them enough. And that's where I get a lot of my work ethic from. Yeah. I think that's, it's so sweet. And I, I also think like, as you are talking about it, you know, even as adults, you know, you never, not in every situation, but we're we're all sort of seeking that <laughs> approval, I think, still, you know, or you want uh-huh. that feeling that you're representing uh-huh. the family in the way that, that you know, they right. took care of you. And so I think that's, uh-huh. that's really nice. And so when did, when you graduated from college, did you have to, you went back and lived at home? For a little bit, yeah, for yeah. a couple of years, yeah. uh, for a year and a half. And then, um, then after that, I, I moved out because it was all right. It's just it's time, you know. Figuring, yeah, it was it was time, and it's like you know, even I I was just still not making a lot of money. It was just all right, it's sink or swim. See what yeah. I can do. Yeah. To, to see what life is all about. Yeah. You know. Get, get and, out there. Uh, yeah. And it, well, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. I mean, oh my god. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Just trying to figure out. Um, Okay, got rent to pay. No, no, look, my parents still live in the area, so so I would sometimes go grocery shopping. You know, yeah. Because, you know, working radio, you work odd hours, so I just stop by. Oh, okay, oh, wow, they got this. I would take it, and my mom took a call. You were there. You, were, you, you stopped by the house, right? I'm like, hey, how'd you know? I could tell. I could tell <laughs> when you've been around. <laughs> and then we had a big joke, because um, actually, even during football season, um, one thing, my dad and I, we always get together and watch the Eagles games, no matter what. I would come over and watch every Sunday, yeah. and uh, my dad would say, okay, go to the pantry, go grocery shopping. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. So, uh, so yeah, I did. my parents are awesome. I'm, I'm very, 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 uh, very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. I think that's great to have that kind of support and to feel mm-hmm. like you've got people that are rooting for you when things aren't exactly easy or when you don't know what that next step's going to be. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. things that um, I definitely want to touch on because I we talked about it before, but I do think it's um, something that you feel passionate about and just in terms of uh, making sure people stay aware and connected. Tell me a little bit about um, the health scare that you had and, and what happened with that and um, <clears throat> and maybe just, you know, counsel for people that might be going through something like that. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, November 9th, 2006, mm-hmm. that was the day I found out I had colon cancer and yeah, it's, it's fun. I remember a lot of things from that day. I mean, yeah, it's, I remember what we, uh, we ordered takeout that night. I still remember what, what I ordered. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. it just sticks with me. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's just it sounds stupid, but you know, yeah, I, I remember that. Um, it's a shock to the system. I mean, when a doctor says you have cancer, um, after that, it was like uh, Charlie Brown's teacher 
talking to wah, wah, yeah. wah, wah. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't hear anything. But uh, thank goodness my wife Kelly was with me. And, but unfortunately, she had to deal with a lot of experiences before with her mom dying of ovarian cancer and other relatives. So thank goodness she was there to ask the doctor the right questions because I had no idea what he said mm-hmm. after he said the word cancer. Right. And I, I, yeah, I was, I was scared big time. And I thought, oh, great, you know, I'm 36 years old, I'm going to die. And then after talking to other doctors and doing some research and, and just realizing that cancer is is not a death sentence or colon cancer isn't, um, I decided to say, hey, you know, we're going to uh, we're gonna beat this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so it happened November 9th, I get diagnosed. Uh, November 28th, I had surgery. And uh, they took out a third of my colon, and um, they um, resectioned it with my uh, my intestine, and um, yeah, so uh, they uh, took out around 19 lymph nodes, and I got a box report later, uh, about a week later, and everyone came back negative. Mm. So uh, no chemo, no radiation, and I was pushed to undergo chemo radiation. Yeah, I met with my oncologist, and they told me there's a slight chance that you may not um, have to go through it, but don't count on it. It's probably going to happen. Right. But every month I came back negative, and I'll never forget the first thing my oncologist says after looking through the report. He says, you, you are one lucky, lucky person. Mm. I'm like, I know. He said, no, you don't get it. This rarely happens. Mm. So no chemo. Because if, you're, if I were to undergo chemo or radiation, it only would have – well, first off, I mean – with, with every lymph node came back negative, there was um, less than a 10% chance of my cancer coming back. And chemo or radiation would only reduce that by an extra 5%. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't worth putting my body through all that hell. Right. So, uh, so no chemo. But the biggest thing is um, that I always love to tell this part of the story is if uh, Kelly, my wife, if she wasn't persistent on making me go see a doctor, yeah. I mean, because I was, I mean, backing up, um, that summer, I was really tired, really tired, and uh, I'd run like a mile. I felt like I ran a marathon, mm-hmm. and she kept noticing I was tired. And I thought it was just because I was working the evening shift, so I would, you know, get home like around one, two o'clock in the morning, and get up and try to do stuff. And I thought I was just getting older, getting tired. And then I had some um, some slight bleeding when I went to the bathroom, but uh, Kelly kept saying, "Go see a doctor, go see a doctor." Oh, and then we have a blood drive, so Kelly says, "Come on, let's get blood." So during the screening process, uh, I failed. My my blood levels were out of whack, so I couldn't get blood. So that was the final yeah. straw for Kel. Yeah. So I'm taking her, I'm taking her to a doctor because she got a doctor appointment. So on the way there, I said, "Oh, by the way, I made an appointment um, for you right after me." I'm like, oh. "What?" Well, you, you should talk to our doctor, and then um, we did. And thank goodness, our primary care physician, she um, 36 years old, she saw my blood work. And then she, saw, I told her I had some bleeding. She recommended a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being 36 years old, I mean, that's rare. Yeah. You know? And I'm glad she did because uh, my doctor said, if we would have waited six months, we may not be talking right now. Mm. Serious. I, I mean, it could have been a different outcome for me. Right. So, uh, so that I'm early so detection, yeah, that early detection is so important. Yeah. 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 And that's what I, t- I tell people, yeah. you know, early detection. I remember Paul telling me that. When when he um, told you the news, you were shocked. You're like, "What? Yeah, colon cancer? Yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah. For sure. I mean, 
I think too, yeah, like just I... for men in general, um, uh, maybe not just men, maybe all of us, but when you have a nagging feeling and, and you know you should go to the doctor, but you don't want to go because maybe you don't want to know what's going on or you think, I'll just power right. through this. I'm just going to, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Right. That's everybody's right. sort of inclination. So, you know, mm-hmm. yes, thank God for Kelly. And also, you know, just having to face it and say, Hey, you know, something's going on and yeah. I gotta be, I gotta address it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm, I'm so glad I did. And, uh, and the support I got uh, from POP, yeah. my family and friends going through all of this and, I just, I, I, I was just positive. I knew I was going to beat this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. My, my attitude was, okay, we're going to beat this. And cause I had so much support and, and I was, I'm just so fortunate. I mean, like I said, TOP was great. My friends were great. And the best thing is, the best thing my friends did for me was they kept things normal. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know, the crew, the down with Paul, Bullets and all, <laughs> Joe Bullets, all those guys, yeah. they didn't let me, they didn't let me get down on myself. They treated me normal, which was great. Yeah. It was, it was, it was good. And we were able to joke about things in, in a dark way, but it was good, but that was normal. Right. Okay. That's that how they normal. are. Yep. How often yeah, are you yeah. getting checked now? Like how often do you see a doctor and what is, you know, that's, that was a while ago, obviously. So how, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get blood work done, um, every year mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I do that to my primary now because I'm way past the five year mark. Yeah. So if there's any kind of regularities and I'll go see an oncologist at uh, Georgetown or whatever, but, um, yeah, blood work every year, colonoscopy right now, every two to three years. Mm-hmm. So, and I've been, I've been passing those with flying colors. So, That's but, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes if you get like maybe some bleeding hair there, you know, you get a little concerned about it, but you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my regular checkups. So right. it's, you know, yeah, if anything's good. really bad, I, I, I can call my doctor now and get, get right. looked at. So I appreciate you sharing that, and I know that's you know not always easy to talk about things that are so personal. Oh, for, for me, it is because if if one person, you know, hears a story, and they get themselves checked out, yeah, then I'm all for it. I even told my my doctors, you know, I share my story. Screw the HIPAA rules. You can, you know, give them my name, give them my number. If you have anyone who's new about this, uh, really, because I want to, I'm lucky because yeah. there's early detection. Because see, colon cancer. I mean, it's a, it's a really big cancer killer, but if it's caught early, it's one of the most curable and most mm. preventable around. That's why I keep emphasizing people, get yourself checked out. Right. Okay? I mean, and, I mean, look, a colonoscopy, uh, it's no picnic, but most of it, it's just the prep work. Right, okay? right, just, right. The, yeah, the, the, actual, the actual procedure is nothing. It's a good nap, if anything, okay? <laughs> and yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it really is. And, yeah, but the prep, yeah, the prep work's no picnic, but the upside is, okay, you know, if they don't find anything, you're okay. Or if they find a polyp, they just take it right out, right then and there. Right, right. During the colonoscopy. So yeah. it's, I mean, that, I mean, there's just, yeah, get yourself checked out, yeah. please. If you have any kind of symptoms right now, who is listening to this, get yourself checked out. Go to your doctor. If you'd like to advertise with Relatable, please email us at info at tfreemanassociates.com. Excellent. All right, I have a few, just a few more questions. I don't want to keep you too long, but mm-hmm. one of the things um, I'm curious about is 
I was really two questions are coming to mind. One is you had talked a bit earlier about shift work and you know all uh-huh. the different shifts that are you know cuz your business is a 24-hour business. So uh-huh. um how often or would you say like somebody that's considering a career and I think it's either right television or broadcasting from a radio perspective but you know, how often are you having to maybe take the shift that you don't want to take or that you're having to um, put the needs of the station or the business or whatever it is that they need above your own interest? And how do you like maintain that that long view? Because I think in the industry that you're in, that long view is so important um, in order to kind of get where you want to go. So I'm curious, like, how often did you have to to adjust your own needs and interests, you know, because of that goal? Still do. Yeah. I still do. Been, <laughs> yeah, I've been in this business since 97. I tell everyone, look, if you have any, anyone listening to this right now, have if you have any, any desire to get into radio, TV, journalism, mm-hmm. if you think it's a nine-to-five job and you have weekends off, Get that out of your mind. You know, find something else to do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I worked every shift imaginable at TOP. I mean, I worked, um, I worked midnight to nine on the weekends, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. So, uh, put a, put a little dent into social life yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our our shifts at work. Um, when I started off at TOP, it was four a.m. to uh, noon. It's great getting off at noon, but you know. <laughs> Being able to work at four o'clock in the morning isn't easy. Right. And then when I was the morning drive editor, which is it's considered prime time, it's right. full radio, and the hours are uh, the show hours are five a.m. to ten a.m. I got there around midnight, one o'clock in the morning to work wow. to prep for the for the whole for the show because you need that prep work that that prep time. And it's and that's not the glamorous part. I mean, and, and I did it for ten years. And you're like, well, I guess you're probably used to it. No, you're never used to it. Uh, and when that alarm would go off at twelve or twelve thirty, there were a couple four letter words. Yeah, know, yeah. Like, oh crap! No. Or you know, after I get married, get the you know elbows in the ribs, get up. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's it, it's hard. And yeah. you know, I worked. Um, you know, when I met my current wife. Uh, it was funny when I first met her. I was filling in for um, our afternoon editor, and her hours were actually eight thirty to four thirty. So, um, by like, and she was—I think I forgot what it was. She was out for a week. I had during or something, but I did that shift for a week. And then after, uh, by like the second or third date, oh, um, so you know, these aren't my normal hours because uh-huh. <laughs> I was working yeah. the evening shift. I worked Tuesday to Saturday, four to noon. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sorry, four to midnight. <laughs> four to midnight. And that means, you know, every Friday night, Saturday night, I was working. So, but, uh, yeah, it's tough. You got to, you got to work, you know, a lot of the, um, if you get an opportunity, no matter what the shift is, you, um, you take that opportunity and do the best job you can. And that's what I did. Yeah. I worked really hard and my bosses realized it and they, uh, gave me other shifts, other opportunities. And now I'm working, uh, my current hours yeah. are... Well, like 11, 11.30 till whatever. So to me, technically it's like 7, 7.30, but to me it's when the job's done. Right. But yeah. And like you... for, example, um, for example, on Friday, uh, we had um, we were waiting for 
the house to uh, put on next uh, the next bill, and it kept going on and on. And um, so finally, that's like you know quarter quarter to nine. I decided, okay, it's like I'm gonna leave, and it's time to you know. And plus, I had to, everything I had set up for the next editor coming in after me, so it was, it was okay to go. But I didn't want to leave because we thought the vote was gonna happen before eight o'clock. So I'm like, all right, I'll hang out till eight. But then, right. <laughs> the way our leaders, you know, they. You know, the book keeps getting pushed back, or there's more yeah. debate, more debate, more debate. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's yeah, you you work until the job's done. That's, and that's how I was brought up. You, you don't you don't quit until the job's done. Right. Plus, you love it, right? I mean, I think there's an element of this. If you didn't really love what you oh, yeah. were doing, yeah. and you weren't passionate oh, yeah, about we're, it, yeah, we're, yeah, we're wired. Yeah, we're wired different. Yeah. A lot of people in this business, they're, they're wired a different way, and you know, because you wouldn't. You'd be checking your phone. I mean, me, I'm checking my phone on weekends for for little things. Mm -hmm. Just uh, so, so you stay informed. Except, except last weekend. I mean, covering this uh, the pandemic can get overwhelming with yeah. all the information out there, and you, you get a lot of phone calls from people asking about, um, well, you know, first, you know, when they're getting their stimulus check, stimulus checks, or if they're having problems filing for unemployment. And plus all the stuff that we're doing at work now with everyone working remotely, it's overwhelming. So, uh, so last weekend I took a uh, 23-day weekend, I took Monday off and, you know, happy my birthday too. So if you're, why not? Happy, and, happy uh, birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I'm part of the club now. There we go. I'm, I'm going to join you pretty soon. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, so we ate like fine wine. Yes, and, we did. Yeah, yeah. People would, when they found out my age, they're like, uh, you're really 50? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, they, they, they have me pegged for my, for my early 40s, which uh, I'll take that. You got those good genes. <laughs> so you look anyway, young, um, Jake. What's that? I said, you have great genes. You look young. You've got that youthful. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you. You figure with all, with all the hours I put in, odd hours I'm not going to sleep by age, like an extra 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but uh, for that being said, last weekend, I just did not listen to news. Yeah watch any news i didn't even check email for like two or three days i just unplugged That's and great. it felt good yeah and when i got back in on tuesday i, I kind of i felt I, had, I felt recharged yep. yeah even though it was just one one extra day and and i wasn't going to take um memorial day weekend off but um because you know with the pandemic no one's really going anywhere right, so right. uh but i figured right you know the time off just just nice just not to do anything so yeah, I think I, everybody. I my days. I took the, yeah, I took the Friday and Monday off of Memorial Day weekend. It's interesting. I was just talking to a friend about that. That with everyone working from home and there's nowhere to go, then people had all these vacation plans, and you're not taking them. And then you still need to have a day off. You still need that break from the stress of it all. So I completely absolutely, get that. absolutely, yeah. and th and that's why you know I'm training someone. I said, yeah, you know, during your off time. You know, listen to the station, especially for coming in, but also take some downtime for yourself. Yeah. Because yeah, that's important. That's important. And, you know, and look, I believe in hard work. I mean, really, you know, like I said, you know, work, you know, until the job is done. But, you know, I mean, really, I mean, I probably could have left around 8.15, 8 o'clock, and mm -hmm. things would have been fine. But, like I said, one, you know, we're, I'm wired a little different. Two, it's not like I'm going anywhere on a Friday night anyway. <laughs> I know, <laughs> really, I know. You know, so, I know. So that was part of it, too. Yeah, so, and I enjoy, like you said, I enjoy what I'm doing. Right. I really, I, I, because each day is different for the most part. Yeah, 
that variety. Yeah, yeah, especially, in, especially in news, you have this blank canvas. Yeah. Now, you know, with the pandemic, it's a little different. You know, you you have an idea it's like a, yeah, uh, where, you're, where you're going. But, you know, it's important that, that uh, you know, we're doing a public service for people. And I don't care how busy I get, you know, and, because we, I mean, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of deadlines. But when someone calls and you hear them distraught about about their situation, about you know, about them asking about information about trying to get your unemployment check or whatever, I will take the time to listen to them, regardless. Right. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say, you know, excuse me, can you just give me one second, take care of something? But people are calling, asking us for help, and you know, we're we're. At TOP and, and a lot of news organizations. I mean, everyone. Everyone's working really hard. It's not mm-hmm. only not only us, but we're we're there to provide a service to people and help them out and give them the uh, most accurate information that we can. Yeah. I mean, it's strange times now, and uh, I you know I get it, and I'm you know I'm lucky. I mean, I'm fortunate to have a job I, I realize how lucky i am well we certainly so. appreciate all of you uh that have been sort of in the trenches and still carrying onward mm-hmm. you know for those of us that have the benefit of being able to stay at home but um and still work but i think you know all of you essential uh workers and i mean everyone we're so appreciative of it um before we wrap you know one of the things that we didn't talk too much about your kind of middle school and high school time, but I am curious, like if you think about young Jake and you think about what uh-huh. you've learned now, what, what is some advice that you would give him um, to kind of help him on his journey? Sure. Buy Apple stock back in 1992. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I remember we were talking about that in Indonesia, mom, <laughs> not too long ago. Hey, you know, you know how much Apple stock was when we started here, or this or yeah. that. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah. things, things would be a lot easier now. No, um, what I would tell young Jake is, uh, let's see, uh, one, well, ask her out. That's a, that's a high school thing. You know, don't be afraid. Uh-huh. But uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, take uh, why? Well, I mean, I took chances. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's. Cause I remember, yeah, this is always hard. What, what would I be, be more confident mm-hmm. things? Don't be, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Going back to my um, very story when I started at TOP is I always worked hard, but I always was hesitant about making mistakes, certain things. But then once I realized and just said, you know, screw it, um, you know, whatever happens, happens, and don't look back. And if you make a mistake, learn from it. That's what I would uh, tell young Jake, and um, also take golf lessons when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would hit the ball better. <laughs> I think that uh, uh, that idea of you know, I think that's such a great that's such great advice, and everyone, whether you're you know young adult or more seasoned and and uh, uh-huh. y- you know even bordering on expert in your career, that idea of taking a risk or being vulnerable, putting yourself out there when, you know, right. that's how you grow and that's how you, I think, uh-huh. have fulfill, fulfillment and experiences and that's how you get better. So you got to be, you right, know, got to be willing to fall, right? Yeah. And I'm like that. Once you get older, don't be afraid to learn from other people. I'm still learning. You know, yes. I, I don't care who it is. It could be a young staffer. You know, I look, I think, 
I really think millennials get a bad rap. Okay, yes, there's some things that yes, we could they could be better. But when we were Generation X, I mean, we thought we knew everything. Yeah, oh, okay? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at it now, I think millennials are so better prepared for certain things from a te- technological standpoint Absolutely. than we were. Yeah, okay? we kind of learn we learn on the fly because all this stuff coming out, we learn on the fly. They are so you know more advanced than us. Now, there's other things you know as far as whole learning and and working, but you know, I, they'll find a way when they, when they get older. They right. will. It's just, you know, we we I think when we were younger, we we had more of a, you know, I guess from our upbringing, a lot of us, you know, we were always taught to work harder. But you know, we all made our mistakes. Right. But we learned from it, and, and they will too. Yeah. They will too, and that's that's why, like, especially when you get a younger staffer who gets it, I will take that person under my wing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'll, don't get me wrong, I'll work hard with all of them, but when I teach someone that has that desire and that potential, I will do what I can to help them. Yeah. And, and we have a, a few um, good staffers here at TOP, and uh, we hired some other young young ones that I'm really excited about because there's a lot of good potential there. Mm-hmm. And I just love, I, I love teaching uh, the younger staff, especially when they get it. Yeah. Because uh, I, I got a lot of help along the way. And, you know, as we say, you know, you just pass it. Pay it forward. You know, yeah. Pay it forward, yeah. <laughs> pay it forward, but you know, pass down what you what you learn mm-hmm. and, and and give it to others. And I love doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and when they get it, it's it's, it's awesome because a couple of my assistants who are now editors now, and just to see them get it. And then when you, when you hear some of your colleagues when they tell you, wow, you know, um, when they see that you're helping someone, they say, wow, this person really get me. Especially <laughs> one guy said, especially when after you got to his his very one time he really started excelling. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tell them, and I always tell them, like, you know, when I'm hard on someone, I just tell them, I say, look, you know, I see there's potential in you, and the mistakes that you're making, you should be making now. You mm-hmm. know, because I, I see, little, I mean, you can do a lot. So just learn from it. I expect more from you because I think you're good. Right, right. And I always try to emphasize, you know, and, and dealing with people, you gotta, you gotta learn how to deal with different personalities. Sometimes you gotta, you know, give someone a pat on the back, and other times you have you give someone a, a pat, but a little lower and a little harder. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but uh, it's all just to help them out and um, and help the station make sure we're all on the same page and uh, you know that we do things the uh, TOP way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was great. I love being able to sit down and talk with you again, and I really appreciate the time. Thank you for listening and thank you again, Mike. What I learned is that hard work and dedication can take you anywhere, anywhere you want to go. A special thanks to Missy, my producer, on this episode. If you like this discussion, please subscribe and rate Relatable. We're on most streaming platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter. We have an Instagram page and you can also visit us at TeresaFreemanAssociates.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.